When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNBR Rams podcast presented by High Plains Strains, the Northeastern Colorado dispensary providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. If you give them a visit, be sure to mention DNBR to take advantage of their deals. Got a fun episode ahead for you. Caught up with my good friend Kevin Lytle of the Fort Collins, Coloradoan. We talked a little CSU football and just kind of our assessment of this season as a whole. We talked about progress that was made, but why ultimately it was still a a failed season in the grand scheme of things. Potential change to keep an eye on, potential change you should not expect, uh, what the quarterback situation may be like moving forward, all of that stuff. We also talked CSU men's basketball. We set the scene for a big time matchup on Wednesday night against CU, but it it was more a, a talk about this team and their start to the season as a whole. He was obviously out in Kansas City for that big time win over Creighton, it was fun to just kind of pick his brain on what that atmosphere was like, the, the hot start for this team, what could potentially hold them back if there are flaws, which there don't seem to be a ton for this group, just a really well-constructed roster that plays together. It's a really business-like performance. It's frankly a lot of fun to watch, and it gives me some confidence going into this matchup with CU, even though the the CSU fan in me, the, the Ram alumni in me will always have that you know pit in my stomach a little bit just in terms of waiting for the other shoe to fall but uh, really looking forward to it i think you guys are going to enjoy this one a lot before we get into everything i do want to talk to you guys about the circa resort and casino vegas's first ever adult only casino resort they have the world's largest sports book it's a three-story stadium style operation a 78 million pixel screen that takes 10 people to operate the food choices are awesome at Victory Burger and Wings Company Project Barbecue. They have over a 7,000 square feet of their casino. It's two levels with over 1,300 slots, 48 table games with dancing dealers. Stadium Swim is always popping. It's a really cool wet space area where they've got a pool spot and hot tubs and all kinds of stuff. You can watch all your favorite action poolside and really live it up, live life like a king. If you're heading out to Vegas for the CSU Washington game, for a Pac-12 title game, Avs, Knights, Broncos, Raiders, whatever it may be, make sure you book your resort uh, or book your stay at the resort and use the code DNBR20 for 20% off. Also, the Circa Sportsbook app is available for download in Colorado. Download the app at circasports.com. Circa Sports bets can be made only while physically located in the state of Colorado. Must be 21 or older. All rights reserved. Circus Sports Colorado encourage, encourages you to gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER or visit problemgamblingcolorado.org. Our next partner I want to shout out is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I take it every day. And I started taking AG1 because I wanted better gut health. I wanted to be healthier in general, but I'm not good at taking a million different pills and supplements I drink AG1 in the morning. It's just one scoop of uh, AG1 in my cup of water. Boom, I'm good to go. 
I'm getting all of my key nutrients. I'm getting a boost in energy and optimized immune system. Really everything I could ever ask for all in one scoop. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, your probiotic, and, and more all in one drinkable habit. It's science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food sourced nutrients. Uh, AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. They help with your health foundation first. Covering my nutritional bases for the day literally could not be easier, which is why I trust AG1. Just mix one scoop in a cup of water every day. Boom, done. Less than three bucks a day. Pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with high quality sourced ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, try AG1. Get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com rams. That's drinkag1.com rams. Check it out. All right, we've got longtime friend of the pod, Kevin Lytle of the Fort Collins, Colorado in here to talk CSU football and then to talk CSU hoops, which is a lot more fun to talk about, frankly. But uh, Kevin, he was a man on a mission last week. He went out to Kansas City. Then he was in Honolulu or uh, Hawaii. I can't remember if it's actually in Honolulu or not. Um, he, he's got to be tired, but he's here. How's it going, man? Oh, I slept so hard last night. I had some real jet lag whiplash from that trip, but uh, a cool one to be able uh, be able to get to do. Glad um, the paper sent me out for both of those. Quite a quite a quite a journey. It was pretty interesting, that's for sure. What was the vibe post game after that loss in Hawaii? Obviously, really tough to stomach, but also kind of symbolic of this season as a whole. I mean, it was very similar to UNLV. They had so many moments this year where they couldn't hold a lead late. Um, but just, yeah, what was the the vibe like after a really heartbreaking loss? Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was definitely tough. And you could hear, you know, some post game, you know, uh, comments just about a lot of what, what, you just said there, I mean, that, that game really did encapsulate the season. You know, you have to be more consistent. Um, this team obviously at times showed really well, but just never, you know, didn't sustain both within games and week to week. Um, and, you know, it's what Jay has talked a lot about over the last three or so weeks, you know, competitive stamina is sort of the phrase he's kept using. And basically to summarize, I think he's talking about, you know, Monday to Friday, you got to make sure to do everything right because it'll show on Saturday. And I think that was, again, kind of the message post game of, you know, if we want to be a good team, we have to clean. Yeah, obviously stuff in games up. But a lot of that comes you know, earlier. A lot of frustration. You know, Jay, you know, I asked him straight up, you know, just kind of what's the, the feeling of that this team isn't playing and practicing in December. And yeah, huge disappointment. Uh, Henry Blackburn was, you know, kind of exactly what you you would think. He was pretty distraught, you know. Frankly, I would say, um, and kind of just kept repeating the phrase over and over. You know, learn how to win, which I know is nebulous and sort of doesn't mean something, but is also true. And again, I think that reflects back to the message of, you know, day to day, you know, preparation, everything, just being better. Um, the margins in college football are so thin. I mean, CSU was right there. Pretty much in every game except Washington State, um, but the margins are so small that uh, you know seemingly small things can make a difference. I think 
I think this team learned that in a pretty rough way this year. So yeah, it's a, a very um, quiet, somber locker room. I'm, or not even locker room. It's literally just like a concourse, <laughs> sort of, um, out at Hawaii. But I'm guessing that was a, a tough flight home. Nothing like uh, losing that game and having a hop on plane for eight hours and that bus for an hour and a half. Yeah, it's it's not a fun one to sit with. How would you assess this season as a whole? Because there obviously was improvement. They doubled their points per game. It's the most wins since 2017. You beat Boise for the first time. You can't say that's nothing. At the same time, another year with no rival wins. You miss a bowl. Those are arguably the two biggest markers for any college football season. I mean, how do you assess this? Yeah, kind of what I wrote after the game and still how I feel is anyone that's saying, you know, this is just another, you know, same old, same old CSU story of a bad team. That's just wrong. I mean, it's blatantly incorrect. Like you say, the points doubled, the yardage, you know, went way up. Uh, for all of the issues, you know, turnovers and stuff that do need to be cleaned up. Yeah, quarterback finished, I think he's 12th in the nation in passing yards. So there there was good stuff. Definitely improved team. Like I said, CSU was competitive in basically every game, um, which was way different. But there's certainly a, a significant feeling of, it. you know, there was stuff left on the table. This team should not have won only five games. There should should have been more wins. This team should be bowling. You know, I, I don't think it really was a conference title type contender team at all. I think that is sort of an unrealistic hope, but they should have won more. So it's, yeah, it's both a improved team where you can see signs of growth and, and potential good in the future, but also a, a frustrating, disappointing season that, you know, broadly, I would say, you know, you have to call a failure that they, didn't make a bowl, and like you said, didn't win a rivalry game. Off of that, I don't think you can necessarily just run it back exactly the same, not make any tweaks whatsoever. At the same time, if you look online, the reactions of fire everybody are, are obviously very unrealistic. What kind of change could you potentially see coming from this and it, not necessarily like inside info, but just kind of your gut uh, on the direction of the program and some things you think could maybe just get a tweak. Yeah, I'm really fascinated. I think the biggest question is defensively. Um, it was a surprising setback this year. I think we all probably w- would say that. Um, but also, I would say a year ago, Freddie Banks was not just the toast of the town. Nationally, he was considered a rising superstar. He didn't just forget how you know what defense is over the last year. So uh, they need to figure out, you know, was it the scheme didn't fit the players right? Did you not have the right players? Uh, what was the combo of things? Obviously, it's always a blend of those things. And figure it out. I, you know, my hunch would be there's not a change there at defensive coordinator. I, I haven't heard anything that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, but you know, I mean, Mo Jay, also did literally cite Freddie by name as the reason yeah. he came back. The, and the, there's so many contradictions with this team of the defense wasn't good enough, but you, you know, is what second worst in yards per game, I think in the mountain West, but yeah, the defensive player of the year, uh, you know, the offense, there's so much angst about the offense, but like I said, you had a quarterback that's 12th in the nation in passing yards. Like there are just so many contradictions uh, that's just, it's just really fascinating. So my hunch would be that Frey Banks is defensive coordinator again next year, 
Um, you saw, you know, some of the young guys start to take over more time. I think that's part of, you know, they have a type of player they want on defense uh, that's starting to get more of that time. Obviously, Mo Kamara is a type of player any defensive coordinator would want. But, you know, some of the other, you know, p- positions where young guys took over, I think you're seeing some of that. Um, and it's also going to be interesting to see the changes forced. You know, do coaches get plucked away? Um, you know, Chad Savage, for instance, is one that uh, you wonder if he's going to be back at CSU because his recruiting profile is so impressive. I could see uh, an artist formerly known as a Pac-12 school uh, wanting him for his West Coast uh, swagger. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. I know people love, I have a mailbag coming where one of the main questions was offensive coordinator. Not happening. You know, Jay Norvell's called plays his entire career as a head coach. I, I for one, I don't know about you, I would be stunned if he gave that up. Um, you know, I, I get, I don't love a head coach being a play caller. Um, and there are certainly some things to clean up, but also was far from as bad as some people want to suggest. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't expect it. Inherently, I'm not a fan of head coaches calling plays. I just think it's yeah. too much to manage. And I've been honest about that from the start. But I also Either side think, of the ball. I, yeah, exactly. I feel that's tough. Yeah. But I don't think you see disorganization in, in a way that would, you know, in, in, imply he's in over his head or anything like that. I just think there's an advantage of, I don't know, certain situations and being able to think multiple plays ahead instead of just having your head in the playbook during certain times. But also, I think some of the offensive struggles, I mean, there were a lot of missed opportunities here, if we're being yeah. real. and Yeah, there's... I, you and I have talked a lot about this offline. Um, play calling is kind of a normal fan complaint. It's not necessarily wrong or unfair. And there are certainly times where you know everyone, I think, says, well, why'd you do that? But also, it tends to boil down to play went good, so good play call. Play went bad, so bad play call. Whereas I... Like you said, there's some mistakes. I mean, Torrey Horton was wide open in the end zone on that second drive, and and it didn't lead to a touchdown. Off of that, BFN obviously has shown a, a lot of potential. He's shown the ability to, frankly, make the extraordinary plays. That that fourth down throw, even to Torrey Horton against Hawaii, was perfect. Dropped it in a bucket, able to hit him in stride. We saw that throughout the year. Really impressive touch at times. Great arm strength. We also saw a lot of inconsistency and, and erratic decision-making at time, which I, I do think it improved as the year went on, but it came up big in a couple of key losses. I think he could fix some things fundamentally just in terms of being more consistent with these short and intermediate throws by kind of cleaning up some things mechanically. We'll see what happens there. What do you expect, though? It, I think it's got to be an open QB competition in a way that it really has not been since Norvell has come to CSU. Yeah, I think this one, you know, especially hindsight, we can sit here and say, well, maybe this time last year, heading into spring, they should have pushed Clay with um, other quarterbacks, you know, truly being competition. You know, I th- think you can see at the time why they did of like, hey, this is our guy, he got a lot of starts, we need to give him all the reps we can. Uh, but yeah, I kind of think you do need, you know, let Jackson Brousseau push him. Uh, especially in spring, you can split up one reps and stuff like that. You know, I get come fall, you, you may want to hone in on whoever your number one is, but you know, why not, you know, split up and give some guys chances. 
Uh, so yeah, I think we'll see some of that. BFN by far has to be leader in the clubhouse again. He threw for yeah, he's gonna thirty six hundred yards. Uh, but yeah, he, he, there's stuff to improve I, again for that mailbag. Someone asked, you know, is he got improved this offseason? I said, yeah, he better. And that's not a comment on him. That's a comment on everyone. You know, that's that's what the offseason's for. If you're not improving, uh, there's a spot on the bench for you. Uh, but yeah, I think he's got huge talent. Um, you know, Norvell has talked about his ability and willingness to learn. You know, like he said, it doesn't take a QB guru to figure out some of the things that need some improving, but he's also a young guy that you can improve on those things. And arm talent is the unteachable in a lot of ways. And he has the arm talent. So, yeah, I think he's leader in the clubhouse for sure, you know, easily. Uh, but yeah, I'm totally of the mind that there should be, you know, competition, just, you know, competition breeds uh, success generally. Norvell's talked a lot about that. Of, you know, he thinks benches the he uses the Bobby Knight bench is the best motivator, so that should apply at every position. Last thing I want to ask you on football before we talk hoops, which is frankly more fun. Um, how much pressure does this put going into year three? Because you saw some comments, and again, not that fan outrage is the most realistic assessment to go by, but there were people saying this year, if if you don't make a bowl game, that Norvell should be on the hot seat. That was never going to be the case for a variety of reasons. Logically, I, I don't even agree with it. And I said after the game on Twitter, missing a bowl does not change my belief that this program is going the right direction. I still think this was a failed season in, in the broader sense, but just how much pressure does this put on year three and do you still believe this program is going in the right direction despite, you know, coming up short? Yeah, I agree with you on all counts. Um, th- this is the first time I've sensed optimism about CSU football, you know, from what I've seen, um, basically since I fully got on the beat uh, in 2017, obviously I was around before uh, on and off for a number of years and, you know, it's been quite a while. Certainly, you know, that 2017, there was expectation, but that faded um, about 1 a.m. Uh, on a game against Boise State. Uh, and ever since then, there's been kind of no hope, I would say, really. Um, and there is now. So, yeah, I, I think it's going in the right direction. You know, my way too early prediction for next year is seven or eight wins, somewhat depending on um, which of the Oregon State, Washington State games they get and who it replaces. Uh, but somewhere in there. Um, pressure, fan pressure, like let's say this team, you know, goes four or five wins again next year. Fan pressure will be really high. Uh, firing pressure won't be at all. Um, I think because, you know, barring the, the usual caveat, barring off off field troubles, blah, 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 which is the standard. Uh, but like, let's be, let's be honest. Joe Parker has fired two football coaches if he has to fire a third, it would be really hard for him to justify his standing as well. So he's going to be patient. And frankly, I think this program needs a little bit of stable uh, time because it's been a lot of whiplash. A lot of it is self-inflicted because they hired Steve Adazio. Um, but it needs some stability. It can't just keep whipping back and forth You know, every time there's you know, some mean tweets. So I think Jay Norvell gets minimum four years. Like I say, barring offseason problems, I can't see on-field results leading to a change before, you know, four seasons have been completed. I'm with you. And I think it's the right approach. I mean, if if you if you're one of these people that are sitting here saying, this guy is not it, let's start over. 
Well, you're, you're starting over with your entire roster too, because they're all leaving. So you're just yeah. committing to at least, at least two, probably more years of misery. And that's the thing about patience is it's the right approach. Unfortunately, sometimes you do the right approach and you're not rewarded for it, but it's the only way out. And it's the only way you're going to be able to build a program. They don't have the NIL money to just go out and sign 54 star guys and turn it around overnight. Like it's, it's going to be some up and down. Um, Let's talk hoops, though. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but. All right, we'll get right back to that conversation with Kevin Lytle. You guys know we love Breckenridge Brewery at DNVR, and that's because Breck Brew has a beer for any occasion. Can't go wrong with the Avalanche Amber Ale, Broncos Country Pale Ale. I mean, the vibes are pretty good in Broncos Country these days. Funslinger, their collab with Never Summer is perfect if you're hitting the slopes, really crushable. The Good Company Hard Seltzers are perfection. I'm a big Mountain Beach Sour guy. You name it, they've got something for you. Check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com to find a brew near you. Additionally, High Plains Strains provides top-quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. Check them out for your needs, including infused edibles, high-potency concentrates, some of the best flour in the state. They have three High Plains Strains location in Colorado, one in Log Lane Village, one on Garden City, and one in Sedgwick if you're in northeastern Colorado. They're the dispensary for you. You can order online at highplainstrains.com. Just pick up at their location. And with winter coming, you should check out their drive through option, which is sick. Don't even have to get out of your car. Uh, if you mention DNVR online or in stores, you are going to get some awesome deals, including a full ounce for 80 bucks. They've got eighths for 25, mammoth one gram cartridges for 15. Exquisite extracts are four for 40. Remember to use the code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores to take advantage of these high plain strains deals. Let's flip it. How was the, the post-game vibe out in Kansas City coming off of the biggest win maybe in, in regular season history? Obviously, they, they've beat some higher ranked teams at moments, but just in terms of what this means in 2023, it's it's a really big deal. Yeah, a massive, massive win. It was um, an interesting mix. So the press conference room was just down from CSU's locker room, so you could hear. And then CSU put the video out of you know the post post game you know shower, if you will, in the locker room where you know they dump the water on Medvez. He comes in, so obviously very excited, but also like pretty calm, if that makes sense. Of like. You know, we came here to to do a thing, and we kind of, you know, we kind of did, did what it. we wanted to do. Um, I think we all know. Like I wrote, Isaiah Stevens didn't come back to have a 500 year. Like this is his plan. His, his plan is to have a big season, not just individually, but as a team. So this is kind of just like, yeah, like you know, I'm I'm paraphrasing here. This is not what he said, or I'm not even paraphrasing, but it's sort of the mentality of like, you know, why the f do you think I came back? <laughs> it, it, it ain't to point. be. 15 and 15. So um, it, it was an interesting vibe of like, super, you know, certainly very happy, happy with how they played, excited about what I meant for the program, but also like, yeah, we came to win. I think that's really, I mean, I've written this a couple of times this year. Just the business-like mentality of this group has been really impressive to me. Obviously, they, they have a ton of veterans, which makes sense. It's not a, a bunch of 17, 18-year-olds out there, but I mean, whether they're, really whooping a team and, and putting it on like Wright State or Northern Colorado or it's tight. They just, they kind of seem to go out there and execute. And I'm very interested to see if they still have that 
like calm, cool, collected manner in a big game at home against CU. You get the added energy of the rivalry stakes. It obviously is going to mean a ton to Neat Clifford. This is a really big test, I think, just for this team's composure, which to this point, they've, they've passed every test with flying colors. Yeah, totally. Uh, huge, huge test. And I think the age thing, it's one of the things I keep coming back to as well. It's sort of an intangible, you know, there's no metric, you know, I Ken Palm does have an age metric, but it's hard to put a metric on this, but it helps. You know, I've talked to some of the coaches. I say, yeah, I mean, just little things, even, you know, in practice, coaches don't usually have to get on the players about misexecution or poor energy because the players will do it. Things like that. Um, there are a lot of different voices that people listen to. So even though they're coming from different places, you know, Joel Scott, you know, these are his first division one games, but he's played a hundred some at a really high level in division two. So he's seen a lot. Neat Clifford uh, has played in NCAA tournament. He's played in big PAC 12 games. Uh, you know, Josiah strong has played in a ton of different games in a ton of different places. So you have all these different experiences coming together and, you know, right now it's still very early, but right now it's molding very well. You know, obviously we can all see the on-court cohesion, but the off-court seems to be going really well together. And one of the things that's cool, I was sitting right by the bench in Kansas City, so you can kind of see some of those interactions that maybe aren't on TV. Just the way they celebrate different things, different successes that maybe aren't themselves huge plays in a game, but they're important to a player for one reason or another. Uh, you know, Josiah Strong, obviously, players, you know, they've been pretty vocal about celebrating his successes as he comes back from a really tough year. So that's an obvious one. But even, you know, Kyle Evans, you know, who mostly hadn't played much and then is thrust into the Creighton game after Pat Cartier gets hurt. Uh, Kyle was in the back throwing up uh, in between his minutes. And he comes in, you know, late in the game, he hit that little floater at the shot clock buzzer and they're all celebrating that big, you know, things like that. It it seems like a team that pulls pretty hard for each other and even, you know, kind of the small mo- moments of successes. So uh, like I say, on and off court, the cohesion seems really good and really mature, uh, which is what you would hope for a, an old ass team, as <laughs> as I keep calling them. Which is a compliment, of, by the way. Oh, yeah, definitely is. I mean, it's it's great to see. Outside of the obvious, like, injuries, what, if if you have any, what could potentially be this team's flaw? Or, you know, like, what could potentially hold them back from having a, a really crazy run? You know, maybe winning an NCAA tournament game or two, competing within the league? Yeah, obviously, like you say, injuries is always number one. Um and in, you know, the first huge test against Creighton, it, it worked out fine. But, you know, two years ago, you had the two-head monster of Stevens and Roddy. So even if one was off, you kind of knew the other, you know, the odds of both of them being off in a night were pretty small. So if or when Isaiah has a bad night, um, which there won't be many, but there probably will be a couple because it's basketball, who steps up? Um, both scoring load, at, you know, all the things that would come with that. You know, there are a lot of guys. That's why I like the depth of this team is I think you you can do that. But again, just if, if or when Isaiah gets shackled, um, what happens? How does the team respond to that? Even just the, again, the mentality of he's always so good. Will it freak the team out if he has an off night? Because uh, that, you know, we've seen that happen before with teams of 
if the star is off, it kind of shakes the team. So that's one of my biggest, but the, I, I just really like the depth of this group of, you know, if one guy is off, you can overcome it. You know, let's say uh, whatever Jalen Lake is having off night or Nate Clifford is having off night, you know, one of the other guys, you know, what one of them or Joe Palmer, uh, even Javante Johnson has come in, had some important minutes. You have ways you can overcome guys being off. And, you know, a great example of that was Pat Cartier going down basically at the start of the Creighton game. And Bimba came, Bimba came in, played great. Um, and Kyle Evans did some, you know, nothing super flashy, but he played some important mi- minutes. So you're going to have to have that. It's a, it's a long, hard season. Um, but I'm, I'll be intrigued to see how they respond, you know, in some of these tougher nights. I think you definitely want to win your home games. That's just a given yep. in any sport. But between St. Mary's, CU, in Washington, which are probably the three biggest non-conference games. The trip to LMU, deceptively tricky as well. Tricky. Given the circumstances, sandwiched in between the holidays, late night start, a competitive program. Anyways, um, two and one, though, that's that's probably the the realistic hope. I mean, if you go three and oh, at, at that point, you have really solidified your case as a top 20 team. But yeah. I, I think that needs to be the hope here between those three. Yep. I think if you go two and one in these three especially now that you have the Creighton win in the bag, you're in a pretty good spot um, for, you know, potential at large. And and honestly, you know, we'll see how the metrics shake out. You know, this game is probably the biggest, but kind of in that vibe, if you lose to CU, it's not a, you know, a resume tanker either, because CU is going to be pretty good. So kind of no matter the combo, I think two and one is pretty good. Certainly from just fan energy wise, you would want to win the CU game. Uh, but yeah, I think if you if CSU goes two and one in this stretch, you're feeling pretty good. Three and oh, you're feeling great. One and two, eh, like setback, you know, not something you can't overcome, but but, but setback and obviously oh and three would be yeah, no bueno. But, but yeah, I think two and one is is a decent place to end if that's where you're at. And uh great place to start tonight. What's your gut on tonight? How, how are things going to go? Another hard one. I mean, CU is really good. I I wish they were still ranked just kind of selfishly of like a, both teams top 25 would be cool. I think they're a, probably a top 25 team. They Certainly should be. Fringe yeah, top 25. It was a dramatic reaction. Yeah. To, I mean, that's not even a bad loss. I don't really get why they fell so hard, but whatever. Um I think close game, I think really good game, but with how C- CSU defended against Creighton, that really, op- I mean, I, I thought they could be very good defensively, but that was really eye-opening to do it against Creighton. I think CSU wins a close game. <laughs>